yes, it's Ladies Fright. We tell spooky stories and try to figure out what about them makes them so scary. Using personal anecdotes, psychology, and sociology, Lauren, Maggie, and Jackie dive into urban legends, ghost stories, and other tales that give us a good fright. Because this is Ladies Fright. Oh, what a fright. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode of Common Mystics, we discuss a tale of treachery and conflict at a time when cultures collided in the American Midwest. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are Common Mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And today we have a story for you out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's right, Jennifer. I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be short and sweet. I am. I am. So we were in Sioux Falls. We were headed there from Nebraska, mm-hmm. if you may recall. And can you set the intention for us? Yes. Like always, our intention was to find a verifiable story previously unknown to us, but most importantly, to give voice to the voiceless. That's right. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. Let's talk about our hits. Because we had some really good hits on this one, I thought. <laughs> do, do you think so? If you don't say so yourself. If, huh? I if I don't say so myself. Okay, you go first. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So we're skipping over you. That's going to be the last one you told me. Okay. When we were in Sioux Falls, at the falls, I was feeling a lot of galloping horses. Mm. A lot. Yeah. What were you feeling? Well, first, if you recall... We got out of the car, and we were looking for a fort. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we were looking for a fort, but you and I were both like, there's got to be a fort here. That's true. We were both like, where's the fort? Mm -hmm. We were looking for a structure that we can Mm -hmm. be like, aha, there's a fort. There's the fort. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we see a building across the river. Mm -hmm. So as we were making our way to that building... We were checking out the river via the stones, like these huge stone structures that the river created over time. It's really magnificent. It's I can't even describe it. I really can't. It's It really is. So as we were making our way towards the east side of the river, I was feeling as if natives were... Um, Native Americans were crouching, hiding, laying in wait, ready to spring a trap kind of feeling. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. What were you feeling as we were crossing over the river? I was feeling like I wanted to run away in the night. Ooh. You wanted to get the hell out of there. I did. I wanted to flee. You really did. Mm -hmm. Do you remember, what did you actually write? You're contemplating running was your exact quote. You're like, I I think I'm going to (laughs) run. I think I want to get out of here. So what did we find when we crossed the river and we went over there? Well, the structures that were there that we assumed was a fort. It had to be a fort. It was a mill. It was just a mill. And we were so disappointed. We're like, well, where's the fort? <laughs> exactly. Like you being in this place, it was like, no, there's a fort here. Like, right, right, right. Like that must be the fort. And then we went there and we're like, this is a mill. It was right. legit disappointing. Well, I mean, it's don't say that. It's a nice mill. You should all visit Sioux Falls, <laughs> South Dakota and see the falls. The, They're really cool. The falls and are amazing. See the, the old mill. You're going like to be disappointed if you think it's a fort. Just saying. 
But then we were we were convinced there was a fort in the city, right, Jill? Absolutely. So we get back into the car and we start driving around the city. So we go up, we it, almost like we up went, the bluffs. Yeah, up the bluffs, mm-hmm. and we discovered this this lovely old Gothic looking cathedral, St. Joseph's Church. It was beautiful, and it's like daytime. It's like. 10 in the morning. Right. And it is striking. There's like energy reverberating off of this huge building. Yeah. And it didn't feel like it was the energy that we were picking up on was consolidated to the structure. Right. So we were like, this is haunted AF, but mm-hmm. there's energy around it. So we were trying to drive up and down, trying to find the source of what we were picking up on. And all I right. kept thinking is, this place is haunted. There are dead people here, and mm-hmm. I'm totally feeling them, and I don't know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. And so, then we pretty much left confused because mm-hmm. we never did find the fort. We never did find a fort. We don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't even know why we were looking for a fort. It, it But you, honestly, there you go. it made sense that a fort would be there. I don't know why. It did. So tell me a little bit about the city of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay. So I'm going to start by saying that you and I are going to use the term Sioux and Dakota interchangeably. And we might throw in native once in a while. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And maybe Indian if we're quoting old sources. Which we're really sorry about. But the the point is that the Sioux, as I understand it, and I am no scholar of Native American history, but the Sioux term, as I understand it, is more of an outside term of what other peoples and tribes called the Sioux people, and they themselves call themselves the Dakota. But also, I believe there are different types of Sioux peoples, and that is the extent of my knowledge. So just suffice to say... I'm using different terms interchangeably. Do you know what people were referring to when they called this group of people the Sioux? No, it's the Dakota is what I'm understanding from from my my work here. But what does Sioux mean? I believe it means enemy. So it's a derogatory term that we named everything in well, South Dakota. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. Okay. I just want to get a clear understanding. That's all. Okay. All right. So let's get into Sioux Falls, a little bit about the history of the area, because it's pretty interesting. Sioux Falls is named for the Sioux tribe of people who lived in the area. The city itself is located right up against the waterfalls of the Big Sioux River. And it's right next to the downtown district. It's really pretty interesting. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And the falls today are a popular landmark and tourist attraction. But pioneers first staked their claims there on the banks of the Big Sioux River prior to the Civil War in around 1856. That's when Anglo-white pioneers were coming to the area, staking their claim, wanting to live there. Mm. Homesteaders continued to settle in Sioux Falls, and the population reached over 2,000 by 1880. Mm. The village of Sioux Falls was incorporated in 1876 and became a proper city in 1889. And by the turn of the century, Jill, they had more than 10,000 people there. It's a nice little growing city. It is. It's expanding. But tell me, because, I mean, I could be crazy, what about a fort? I know, right? We there has cannot to be a let fort. go of the fort. It just felt like there was a fort there, right? Right. Well, guess what? 
This mm. is major, Jill, because there actually was a fort there. I knew it. There was. We were right. I know. I Like, for sure. I was about ready to build a fort there. According to South Dakota Public Broadcasting website, in May 1865, there was a Lieutenant Colonel John Patty and Captain Daniel Iker, and they arrived at Sioux Falls leading troops from the 6th Iowa Cavalry. They established a fort at the falls at the Sioux River, Jill, just like we felt that it was I there. totally knew it. Mm-hmm. And there were fort buildings erected all near the falls. Mm-hmm. And there was actually an entire military reservation around the fort for about 70 square miles. Jesus. So when we were, like, walking around the park uh, and the area, that had been military ground. Wow. I know, right? We're pretty wow. good. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's, a, that's a quite the heavy presence, by the way, what you're describing. Like, it's not just a fort. You're describing a town. Mm-hmm. It yeah. seems like a town, yeah. It seems and like an yeah. occupied, in air quotes, an occupied area. It, well, yeah. According to this website from South Dakota Public Broadcasting, it was actually more like a village. Mm-hmm. And again, strategically placed on the west side of the Big Sioux River with the bluffs and the high grounds. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? So there was a fort there. Absolutely. And it was built, like I said, in 1865, May of 1865. Okay, but you said that people were settling the area prior to the Civil War in 1856. So why why were they created this huge occupied area in Sioux Falls in 18 What did you say 1865? Why were they doing that? It seems like they're a little late. I know, right? I had the same question. Okay. Spit some knowledge out at me. Because, Jill, the settlers and speculators who came to the area were experiencing some quote-unquote negative encounters with Native peoples in the area. What does that mean? Were the Natives, like, making them cry, stealing their corn and making them cry? They were, yeah, they were hurting their feelings. <laughs> they were calling their mom. They were doing bad, like, your mama jokes. <laughs> Do your bad your mama joke. I don't have any. <laughs> yes, you do. She, you had a good one. Yo, mama, so white. <laughs> that's what you. That's what they were saying. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. those negative encounters were more violent in nature. They weren't just hurting each other's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was an issue. So the fort was didn't have anything to do with the Civil War at all, Jill. It had to do with a different war that we don't really talk about too much called the Dakota War. I have no idea what you're talking about. So there- Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, okay. My head is spinning. In 1862, a band of Sioux had an uprising, and the entire town of Sioux Falls was abandoned, and settlers and soldiers all relocated the entire settlement to a place called Yankton. Okay, stop, 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 stop. stop I stop, know, stop. right? Stop, okay. So- what happened? You said that there was a Sioux uprising. So I did. the big bad Sioux just got angry and started uprising. Like what is happening? And what did they do? What did, what does that mean in uprising? Okay. All right. Hold up. Hold up. There's a lot going on here, but let's start with the an event that happened in the spring of 1862. Okay. Okay. So it's the spring of 1862. And 
in a place called Minnehaha County, which is where Sioux Falls is located. And the cutest county name I've ever heard in my life. It's a super cute name. I think my next dog is going to be named Minnehaha because that's Aww, just adorable. That's cute. Or maybe a fish if I get a fish. We're not going to okay. get a fish. I might get a fish. Okay. So Minnehaha County, 1862, there's a man named Joseph Amadon, and he was elected to be probate judge, treasurer, and commissioner of this new county. Wow. We're going to call him Judge Joe. He is a very important person. It just in flows Sioux off the Falls, <laughs> In the Sioux Falls area in 1862. He was a stonecutter originally from New York. He and his wife move out west. First they lived in Minnesota, and then they came to Sioux Falls in about 1860. Okay. Now. 1862, Judge Joe and his son, William, are about a mile north of their cabin in Sioux Falls. And they're haying. They're haying on their homestead. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I imagine that haying means something like gathering hay. Or baling hay. (laughs) I don't know. But apparently it's important farmer work, so we're just going to go with it. Mm -hmm. So they're haying, Jill, and that's important work. (laughs) And and at sundown, uh uh-oh. Sundown comes, Jill, and Mrs. Judge Joe notices that William and her husband aren't home yet. And Judge they're not Joe, the time to stay out late. So They it's are not, not like, the type yeah. to stay out late. Plus, there's nothing to do. There's <laughs> well, they nothing. Could be moonshining. To- you don't know. You don't know, Judge Joe. Jill, don't make light of this. This is tragic. <laughs> okay. So they don't come home. So the wife, Mrs. Amadon, alerts the cavalry. Because basically, it's the only force in town. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She alerts the cavalry, and they go looking for them, and they don't find them. But they do find, the next morning, both men's bodies. I know. And it was believed that while Judge Joe had been hanged the day before, his son encountered a hostile Sioux group that was scouting the area. And Judge Joe went to go look for his son. And when he saw the scouting party, he turned and fled and was shot in the back. Single bullet wound. The body of his son, William, was riddled with more than a dozen arrows. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. And that has come to be called the Amadon Affair of 1862. Okay. Wow. I know. That really sucks. I know. That would really suck. I don't understand what brought about this act of aggression. Like, why were the Sioux so angry? Well, why were the Sioux so angry? It's They are homesteaders, right? So it seemed like they were on their land still. So what would provoke this type of aggression? This murder, basically. Murder. In 1862. I know. I know. Tell me. Well, you have to go back to 1851. And to understand why that happened, because it's part of a bigger series of events. Okay, tell me. You see, back in 1851, the United States government made a treaty with the Sioux. Mm -hmm. And the treaty was called the Treaty of Traverse des Sioux. The treaty was with bands of Dakota natives. And it transferred the Dakota lands in southwestern Minnesota Territory to the United States government. Wow. Why would the Dakotas sign something like that? It seems like a bunk deal, man. Yeah, it totally did. According to MNOpedia, 
which is a cute name, by the way. Very clever. Mm -hmm. The Dakota were in a weak bargaining position at this time because they they were like, well, if we don't sell our lands to the government of the United States, they're just going to take them and we're not going to get anything anyway. So we might as well sell them. Because that's what they've been doing over and over again in the East. Yeah, we had seen that. They had seen that happen certainly before. So this treaty did a few things. First, it ceded much of the southern and western portion of Minnesota to the United States for seven and a half cents an acre. So that's something. Is that good? I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to check out how much that would be today per acre? I don't know. I just, I, I mean, anyone can do low. that. Seems a little low to me, but go on. Second, the Dakota people retained a reservation of land 10 miles wide on each side of the Minnesota River. Okay, so they they got some land on each side of the Minnesota River about 10 miles wide. Okay, so at least they got something. And then finally, and this is important, the treaty arranged for the payment to the Dakota people for the land that they ceded. Remember that seven and a... And a half cents an acre? Yeah. Yeah. So there was this whole system worked out, like, how they were going to get that money. Yeah, because there has to be a system instead of just paying them, right? Like, did they not have the cash app? Right. (laughs) No cash app. Instead of writing one check to the Dakota people signed United States, they were like, okay, we're going to give you some right now. And then some we're going to set aside for the construction of schools and other services that you're going to need. Just trust us. Trust us. We're gonna, <laughs> you're going to need these You're going to need this. You can't spend it all at once. Fire department, police. You don't know. You don't, you don't know, know what happens out here. Right. And then the rest was going to be placed in an account that would be managed by the federal government. And from that account, the bands were to receive an annual interest payment in both cash and goods. Mm. Interesting. Now, if I recall, that kind of accounts system seemed a little fraudulent when we were researching the Sage, the Osage in Oklahoma. It seemed a little it seemed a little shady. It did seem shady then, and it seems shady now. It seems like Daddy's saying, you can't handle this money. I'm mm-hmm. going to put it aside until you can show that you're responsible. Mm-hmm. When you show me that you're responsible, then you can get the rest of your money. When you want a church, when you want a fire department, then you can have your money. You'll thank me later. <laughs> okay. So the federal government makes the payments to the Dakota, right? So um, everything, it's just, well, they get that money then, everything's fine. was the plan on paper that they would give them the money. But here's the thing. So now years go by. 11 mm-hmm. years pass, to be exact. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, you know, when you start with a story, instead of just telling me what's going on, I know that some shit happened. Like, I know, I'm like, I'm like bracing for the worst. So why are you so smart? I'm just, I don't know. It's like I wrote this. <laughs> just like I wrote this outline. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you already know that many bands of the Dakota were displaced, right? So they mm-hmm. were taken from the lands that they used to live on according to their culture, right? Mm-hmm. The lands mm-hmm. they used to hunt on, the lands they and used to live on. And they're hereditary and like it's been 
generations of decades, millions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So many bands are displaced, and they reluctantly move to the reservations along the Minnesota River, like I told you. Mm-hmm. Now, there was Indian agents living in the area, and the Indian agents were white people who were like the go-between, you know? Mm-hmm. Between the, the U.S. government and the, the Native peoples. Mm-hmm. Indian agents <laughs> encouraged them, actively encouraged them, well, why don't you become farmers now? Just give up this hunting. Just become oh, farmers now. Because the the game that they were hunting moved off, and they only have these these 10 acres on either side of the river. They can't go on to U.S. land and start shooting and killing U.S. animals. So they're like, hey, guys, why don't you farm? Yeah. Why don't you farm? Yeah, why don't you, why don't you try to plant, plant some corn? Mm-hmm. You know what? If you give a native a fish, they'll eat one day. If you teach a native how to go fishing, they'll always eat. But you know what? They did. They did take up farming. But there was a problem because there was a crop failure in 1861. Oh, God. And then following that, there was a harsh winter. And, of course, there was poor hunting because you've crowded these people into a small area. Like you said, the game leaves. There's there's not a lot to hunt now. Mm-hmm. And so they start to starve and really suffer terrible hardship during the 18, during 1861. It's like worst case scenario. Now, the summer of 1862 comes around and tensions rise even more because remember that money that the United States government was supposed to be giving the Dakota peoples per that Seven treaty. Seven and a half cents. Right. Yeah, they were going to yeah, pay. Yeah. Th- yes, yes, you got it. They were going to pay them in cash and goods. Well, 1862, the United States is is fighting a war against the Confederacy. I remember that. And so they're not they're not paying the natives the money that they said they were going to get. They're not giving them the goods. Oh, my God. And the the traders in the area aren't extending any credit to these Dakota peoples either because they're like, oh yeah, God. I know you don't have any money. And guess what? You're not getting any. We don't trust that you're going to get anything because the United States is embroiled in this war and nobody knows when it's going to be over. So, yeah, no, screw your credit. You don't have any. So now you can't buy food. You can't hunt food. Your crops failed. And now And what? by the way, this isn't the first treaty that the United States um, decided not to pay out on. Mm, good point. There were a couple mm-hmm. others in succession to this. Mm-hmm. Right. So on August 17th, 1862, four young Dakota hunters killed five Anglo-American settlers in Acton, Minnesota. And that night, a faction of Dakota decided to attack the Lower Sioux Agency the next morning in an effort to drive out all the settlers out of the entire Minnesota River Valley. So basically, they're ambitious. They're ambitious and they had enough. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough. And, and therefore, this is called... The, the Dakota Wars or the um, yeah, Sioux Uprising. The Sioux Uprising, right, of 1862. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. The Dakota Warriors attacked and killed hundreds of settlers. The Dakotas, led by Chief Little Crow, also took hundreds of, quote-unquote, mixed blood and white hostages, almost all women and children. So this is an all-out war. And that's going on. 
in Minnesota. Right. And how does this trickle to affect Judge Joe and his son in South Dakota Sioux Falls? Good question. Because Judge Joe and William were believed to have been killed by a scouting party of Dakota people under orders from Chief Little Crow to drive settlers out as part of the Dakota War. So at this point, the Dakota people were like, we don't give a fuck. Like, we... Yeah, we're driving you all out. At at this point, it's either you or us, and we're dying. So So it's like, come on, folks. Exactly. And they spread the word out. So now all the natives in the area are rising up and, and doing their part to drive out the pioneers and the settlers. Okay. Right. And the small group of Dakota people, of the hostile, you know, warriors who killed Judge Joe and his son were just scouting through the area. They were making their way through. Wow. When they found them. So really, Judge Joe and his son, William, were really in the wrong place at the wrong time. So what happened after the killing? What were the what was the ramifications to the death of Judge Jonas on William? Well, a few days after they were buried, the governor of the Dakota Territory called for all of the settlers in the Sioux Falls area to seek shelter at the territorial capital at Yankton. And so mm-hmm. all of those settlers, all of the white settlers and soldiers together hastily set out in a wagon train before sundown. Basically, they escaped in the night. They fled under the cloak of darkness and left mm-hmm. Sioux Falls. And it was abandoned for three years. Oh, my God. They were scarred. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a long time. That is a long time. It must have been like a ghost town. So how did it get to be Sioux Falls the way we know it today? Well, in 1865, Fort Dakota (gasps) was built. Ah! And by building the fort... We just went full circle. Right. By building the fort, (laughs) they were able to protect now the white settlers who moved back into the area, protect them from the native Dakota people. And that's why the fort was so substantial that felt like an occupying force. And it was really a little town. Right. They were they were flexing. They were flexing their muscles. Now, today in the city of Sioux Falls, there stands a pioneer memorial obelisk and the Amadon Affair historical marker, which was erected in 1949 by the Minnehaha County Historical Society, which also placed a block at the base in 2007, which was etched with a short memorial to the early pioneers and the struggles they endured. Mm. Mm. Okay, Jennifer. Mm. Before we get into the voice list, tell me how do we know that this is our story? My goodness. When I was in Sioux Falls and I was sensing galloping horses, no, oh. it was the, the cavalry and the Sioux warriors. There were That's horses great all through there. I know. Crazy. The falls. Yeah. The, when we were at the falls, like we were immediately, like we got out of the car and we were looking for a fort. I know, right? That is And just we were like crazy standing scene. where the fort was. And we didn't even question, was there a fort here? We were looking for the fort. Exactly. We assumed exactly. there was there because it just felt like a fort was there. And we were right. There was a fort there. And it was actually pivotal in Sioux Falls because there wouldn't be a city established Su- there if not for the fort. That's amazing. I know. It well, um 
it feels cheap to say, but the natives sneaking up on the settlers, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. self-explanatory. Right. It really it happened that way. And them crouching in the rocks, like you said. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. That's a really it. cool image. This is my favorite. Talk to me. You contemplating running in the night. I know. I you cannot believe running. that I wrote that down in my notebook. You legit wrote that down in I, your notebook. I am legit. Yes, you are. And what I didn't mention before, <sighs> Jennifer, we were in Sioux Falls. This was the very end of our road trip. And we were contemplating, really, really deciding what to do next. And we wanted to go to Minnesota. We did. We were called to Minnesota. You said there is a story in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You said that. And we looked at our phones and we pulled out the map app and I pointed to the southwestern corner. We're like, we're going to hit that on the way home. Mm-hmm. And as we were driving home, as we were driving home, we realized that we were going to kill each other if we were going to be in the car any longer than necessary. And so Minnesota wasn't going to happen. I thought our sister time was delightful. I really enjoyed it. It was time. So I, it was time. I, I could have spent another week in that car with you. Oh, please. Please. That is legit. We knew there was a story in Minnesota, and we decided, yeah, we can't do it this time. We can't do it. We literally, it was like, we were just done. But wait, you forgot something really, really important in Sioux Falls, and that is the church, St. Joseph (sighs) Church. We were so creeped out. We were so creeped out. We That place was haunted AF. We were walking around like, oh my gosh, what is here? It was reverberating. I'm not kidding. The energy coming off of that that area, that landmark. And like I said, it wasn't contained to just the church. It felt like we were walking through like a haunted area. And as it turns out, the research suggests that Judge Joe and his son William are buried near where that church is on that street, like around there. No. Swear. Unmarked no. graves somewhere around there. So what we're trying to figure out, like, why do we feel haunted? Why is this so creepy? It's just a church. We've been to church. Like, <laughs> like that's why. Wow. This is legit our story. Oh, 100%. 100%. So who's our voiceless? I was going to ask you. No, I asked you first. Okay. So the, the thing is with Judge Joe and his son, there's a couple things, right? The news of what was happening in Minnesota with the Dakota Wars didn't come to South Dakota yet or that territory mm-hmm. yet. It wasn't so in Sioux Falls. The settlers there. Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know what was going on. So they were just sitting ducks. They were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And when that scouting team came through, they they were just victims of that ongoing violence. Mm-hmm. But, but it was their murders that alerted the community at large, of the danger and allowed them to flee in the night. Wow. So in that sense, their deaths, though tragic, were fortuitous for the rest Mm -hmm. of the community and potentially saved hundreds of settlers in Sioux Falls. Including the rest of their family. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. And that side of the story, when you read about um, this in – on the internet, you don't hear that angle at all. But it's very clear that if not for their murders, it could have been a, 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 a slaughter 
on a, a mass scale. And when you ask them now as a psychic, if you reach out to them and ask them, what's their perspective on it? Are they proud that they, quote unquote, gave their lives? And it's so funny you say that because I, I honestly was thinking like, was thinking about them. And it's not so much that they're proud. It's that their story has left them victimized instead of saying, no, this this was a sacrifice that we would have made knowing that we were saving other people. And I so they're, yeah, they're looked at as victims and said they're really, and I hate to use the word, but like martyrs, right? Mm. But you know who else, Jen, is our voiceless? Who, Jill? Don't tell me the natives. I, don't I swear to God. It. Don't you I say swear to it. I don't know. <sighs> Jennifer? It's what natives. Are, are our voiceless the Native Americans? The Na- I'm sorry. Oh. The United States government, and many times in its no. history, have been dicks to the Native Americans. I don't. It is not my fault. Believe, I've never heard this before. Fault. This is Do news you know, to me. <laughs> I know that this sounds like, oh, the Natives, they, they ain't taking no more shit. And then they had this uprising. They'd be killing people. But no, Jennifer... Guess what? What? It didn't last long because 400 natives were put on trial and 300, 303 Dakota men were sentenced to death in less than six weeks. Did they all die? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked this question. That's a lot. That's a lot. lot. It gives me the opportunity to tell you that your president, Abraham Lincoln, reviewed all all the convictions. I love Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Talk about a lot. That man had a lot on his plate because this is during the Civil War. He and read he every sat single down, one. He read all the convictions and he... I believe he did too. And he only approved the death sentence of 38 of those men. So on December 26, 1862, 38 Dakota men were hanged in Mankato, Minnesota. And this remains one of the largest one-day mass executions in American history. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, the natives. Okay, I am going to say something. I know I was joking a little earlier about this, but, of course, the natives need a voice here. I'm going to say that in Sioux Falls, there's an obelisk and different memorials to early Anglo-American pioneers – And the quote-unquote pioneering spirit, the bravery, the courage, you know, the the fortitude that it took to settle this wild, untamed, quote-unquote uncivilized land and, and start a new community. And that is part of the story. But the other part of the story is the Native peoples who lived there and the Native peoples that were that signed treaties that the government didn't follow through with, didn't pay the natives who starved, the natives who were really pushed to the brink of extinction in this area. And they don't have a memorial and they don't have an obelisk and there's nothing there commemorating them. And their story is as much American as the pioneering story. And it just, I just want to suggest to Sioux Falls that maybe you erect something to the natives who were there first, to those Sioux or Dakota people. Are there other examples of that type of balance that you can recall? Yeah, like if you go to uh, Little Bighorn in Montana, where Custer Mm -hmm. had his last stand, General Custer, Mm -hmm. remember? He's delicious. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you have two memorials side by side, one for Custer's cavalry that fell during that altercation, but also another to the Native peoples. And they're side mm-hmm. by side. And then you have the Crazy Horse Memorial that's also, I believe, in Montana. So there are different places in the United States where people are doing this, and they're trying to tell a more balanced narrative. So yes, um, I, I think that Sioux Falls could do that, could have a memorial to the Native peoples who lived there because they are very much as part of the American story as the pioneers who settled. When I think of the predicament of these Native people, and I know that it's murder is wrong. Oh, is murder wrong? Wait, Wait, don't murder anyone. This is hot take. Do not murder anyone. All right. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. That's your PSA. (laughs) The reality is, is that they didn't want a conflict. They wanted to believe in the promise of the United States. That's why they signed away their lands for seven and a half cents. That's why they sat on shitty anchorage from their their vast lands that their ancestors and their fathers and their grandfathers before that and on and on and on had. They weren't trying to fight with us. They wanted us to honor what we promised, the shitty little bit that we promised. Mm. And over 11 years, it just was a culmination of treachery, greed, mismanagement, and really a lot of I don't give a fuck's Jennifer's giving me the rap sign. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up now. (laughs) On that sad note, so um, thank you to the Amadons, because without your sacrifice, without your deaths, many more would have died in that terrible, in those terrible Dakota Wars, so... And thank you for Jennifer, because without you, I would still be talking about my homage to the Native people. Thank you. (laughs) Tell the people where they can find us. Well, find us on our website, commonmystics.net. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter feeds. Listen in on Audible, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a positive review so other people can find us. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.